sing it now. I know the master of I know the maker of all the way. Make the sun shine again. I know the master of song is very fitting for where we are in the contrast of darkness. But let me just say this to you. I'm glad I know the master who will one day take all the wind away. He said there was a time on this earth that there was no wind, no storms, no rain, no lightning, no thunder, Tornadoes, hurricanes, typhoons, sickness, sorrow, difficulty. And every day we are getting closer to the return of the paradise of God. Aren't you glad? Oh, I'm so glad. Praise the Lord. Let's turn, if you would, tonight to Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. We've been speaking about our honeymoon, and I think we've got some more good things to look at it before we close out. And uh, bring the devil out and let him have his little space a little bit. But uh, it's, it's a great time for us as the people of God, is it not? Amen. But at the same time, we have difficulties and trials and problems and things like that. Uh, but we're also taught to plant our taters, build our churches, get married, have jail services, preach, right? Still go on and on and on. So with that being said... Brother Josh Collins has proposed to Sister Megan Johnson, and she accepted, and they become engaged. So the wedding date will be a little bit later on in the summer. These Yankee boys come in and steal our southern gals, I'm telling you what. It ought to be against the law, shouldn't it, Sister Becky? That's right. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds has come. The voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with a tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. From the church age book, we've been reading this for a couple of services, but I think it's so fitting for the millennium. We then see that when these last of Israel had been joined in love to the Lord, and the enemy has been destroyed, God will prepare his holy mountain, his new garden of Eden for the bride and his and her attendance for the thousand-year honeymoon upon the earth. 
as Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and did not finish out the thousand years. Now Jesus, our last Adam, and his Eve, true church, will fulfill all the plan of God. Because this Eve cannot commit adultery. Praise God. I mean, I'd like to be remembered tonight before the Lord. Heavenly Fathers, we approach you tonight. We are so thankful for your mercy that's been given to us, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I'm sure that there is no way in our memory that we would be able to even sit down tonight and start to recall all the things you've done for us, all the times you've moved. All the times you've sent words to us to help us and encourage us, healed us, brought us so many things. Then for those things which are unbeknowings to us, that maybe you spared us of a horrible accident and something delayed us here. And we thought, oh my goodness, I'm late for my appointment. Little did we know you spared our life because of that lateness. No doubt when we get there that day, we will look back through the course of our journey and see so many, many things that the hand of God played out in our lives. Even probably things that we thought were mistakes. Things that we grieved and grieved about because we thought, oh my, how could I have done such and such and so and so? And yet we turn right around and watch how you bring that out and make it fit to your glory. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. May you incline our ears to your word. May our ears be tuned tonight by the preaching of the word to another cry that's around us daily. That is the cry of creation. Help us, Father. May we get in tune and synchronization to the voice of God. May we understand, Lord, that we're not the only ones that feel the way we do. Help us tonight, I pray, Father. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and tell them, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you expecting something tonight? Are you expecting, Brother Joel? Good. Me too. Let's read again, if you would, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11. Come, my beloved, and let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Now, remember, this is the bride that is asking the bridegroom to come with her and to grant her these five requests that she has on her heart. He has emboldened her by saving her, sanctifying her, filling her with the Holy Ghost. She would have never said these things in the first few chapters that we've read in the Song of Solomon. But notice what chapter we are in, chapter 7. So she now feels that she has this right to be able to ask these things. So it's not him as it was in chapter 2. But it is her now asking him 
to come away with her. She has now fallen into such a deep place of love and intimacy with her bridegroom. It has actually emboldened her and given her such a desire to see him that it's similar to John on the Isle of Patmos. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The book, of course, started out with Revelation with Jesus saying that. Behold, I come quickly. But it ended with John saying it. You see, when God is able to so pull our hearts, despite all the things that we're going through, all the things that we experience, and God is able to pull our hearts in tune to His mind, that is a great sign of our maturity. Because everything around us, every day of our life, tries to pull us away from the living realities of the living God. Notice how she says, come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Now watch, embedded in each one of these verses is a desire or a request or a petition. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early in the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear. Now notice these five requests that first of all, that he would come. Secondly, that he would go forth with her into the field. Thirdly, that he would lodge with her in the villages. Fourthly, that he would get up early with her to see the vineyards. Fifthly, to see if the vine flourish and the pomegranates bud. Then after she makes these petitions known, she gives to him a promise. Praise God. Now watch as we read these again. Come my beloved, petition one, let us go forth into the field. Petition two, let us lodge into the villages. Three, let us go up early into the vineyards. Four, let us see if the vine flourish. Five, let us see about the tender grape and the pomegranates. And then her promise, there will I give thee my loves. I know that we sometimes think we do our best. And I'm sure that we believe that we give him all that we can. And more than likely there are times in our mortal existence that we've actually been able to achieve that. Probably more times than not, we've given him 75%, 80, maybe 85, maybe 90. Probably the times that we've given him totally, completely everything, our all in all, it would be surprising, I would imagine, how few times that we've actually done that. But because he understands the elementary part of creation that remains in us and hinders us from reflecting immortality. You see, when he made the man in the first place, the man of Genesis 126, 
He is a man of heaven. But the man of Genesis 2-6 is not a heavenly man. He is not a heavenly creation. He is mere mortal dust. So the dust captures the heavenly part. And the heavenly part cannot reflect itself even in the greatness of its desire. Because the mortality of Genesis 2-6 still prohibits us to this day from being able to give everything that we want. You understand? Sometimes his presence becomes so great and so wonderful and and all we know how to do is say what our mortal intellect, our mortal learning, our our mortal vocabulary will allow us to say. And if you're a dummy like me and some of the rest of you, that is very, very limited. But yet can you imagine one day having a vocabulary, a body, having a theophany, a completion of the image of God that will allow you to speak the very depths of a gene of God? Can you imagine the praise, the adoration, the words that will flow out of your immortal body and how they will praise him to the highest of heavens? Even though we long to do it now, we know that we cannot do it. And he understands, oh, this is what I love about him so much, that he understood because he himself came in the embodiment of a Genesis 2 body himself and allowed himself to feel pain. He allowed himself to feel hurt by friends disappointed by friends people that you thought if anybody would stand with you and you could trust them through the thick and thin and he allowed himself to love men like Peter and John and James and make them such close intimate friends and tell them things that he told none other And he told them things and shared experiences with them. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, go to them personally and speak to them in such a way. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus actually humbling himself to such a place that he would want Peter's close intimate fellowship in the Garden of Gethsemane. Telling them, watch and pray because the flesh is weak. I need you, Peter. I I need you to stand with me. I need you, John. I I need you, James. But instead of them standing with him they fell asleep when the soldiers came and carried him away the Bible says they all fled away so he he understands what it's like in your hour of deepest need and deepest desire for your friends to be able to understand what you're going through and where you're coming from and yet they seemingly turn against you and yet when you look at them and you think well God what do I do well act like Jesus did and forgive them and know that they may not be privy to all the truths about the entirety of the situation. And if they were, they might act different. Well, somebody going to preach with me tonight? 
You know now God in the Old Testament, of course, what knew all things, being omnipotent, omnipresent, and he knew all things, but he did not know it in an experiential way. So he wanted to be able to know in an experiential way where he would be able to experience not only walking on water and raising the dead and healing the sick, but he actually, Brother Jim, wanted to experience anxiety. He wanted to experience the Lord Jesus humbled himself to such a place that he wanted to experience fear. The Bible says he feared death. He wanted to experience being forsaken by God. Wanted to experience being forsaken by the disciples, by everyone in order to become a faithful high priest. Oh, what a great Savior we have. And so when you and I, oh my, when he moves in our lives and does such wonderful great things for us, and then we bring forth these measly words, Thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you. And we just lay it out there. And hey, well, we're limited by our ability, our vocabulary, our understanding of how to do it. Oh, he just takes it. He just takes it in and all just makes over. Can you imagine angels standing there and they're needing to know this now? They said, hush, hush, hush. Listen, listen, listen. Donnie's telling me he loves me. This is 11,395,314 times that he's told me this since he was a 12-year-old boy. But I love it every time. It's not got any more complex now that he's 62 going on 63 than when he said it when he was 12. 52, 51 years ago. And yet he loves your praises, your adoration. Simple to us, but yet renowned and loved by him. And yet there's something within us. We know I can give him more. I know there's more. Oh, if I only knew what to say. But you could add a word to your vocabulary every day. You could learn a new word every day so that you might enhance your ability to speak to people. That isn't what God is wanting. God knows that you'll never be in that spot until we finally move into the stage of redemption, which is the redemption of the body. Now, whatever God, of course, had this great purpose and plan in order to make a millennium. Well, I've been studying this week in Genesis chapter 2. And I, as I've opened in this in Genesis 1 on over into chapter 2, it just kind of took a new view to see how that God in the mystery of redemption in the days of creation. We know that God, of course, took six days or 6,000 years in order to be able to bring the earth into the place where he wanted to use it. Now, we don't know exactly how many times that the earth has been this but yet we know that the, the earth, the prophet said, could have been millions of years old or even billions of years old. And they find through cave art fossils, all types of things like that, that there's things here that have been upon the earth before, great civilizations. And God has a purpose in this earth. And God somehow ordained the destiny of the earth to be correlated with the destiny of man. And that's strange. But God never done the other planets as far as we know in that way. But God God correlated the earth and the cycles it goes through and even the destiny of the earth, the up and the rising, the falling of the earth, it's all correlated with man. So when the man was high, the earth was high. When the man fell, the earth fell. The man has been fallen in that state as far as the unregenerate man for all these years and the earth has never yet come back in the full cycle of redemption. But because man is back on his way to God, the earth also is on her way back to God. 
So is the earth where it was when Adam was here? No. But neither is the earth was where it was when Adam fell. Because she's already, by the grace of God, moved into the second stage of redemption, right? Whenever it was baptized under Noah, when the blood of the Lord Jesus fell from his body and fell upon the earth and claimed it. So the earth is already on her way back to redemption. Now we know that all creation is actually groaning and desiring uh, for this to take place. Let's read if you would in Romans 8 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, I love the way that Paul writes this and he does it in a peculiar way because Paul being a prophet he used prophetic symbols and he places this in a sense he almost like he personalizes creation and the earth and gives it a personality as if the earth and the universe and the creation has thoughts and desires and wishes and is able to express itself in a vocal way or other sounds. Now once he says for the earnest expectation of the creature and the Greek word there is actually creation so it's actually the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And the Greek word there means assiduously and patiently waiting for. So by personalizing creation he's going to reflect something about the earth and all that has fallen with the earth in a way that we would be able to relate to it in a more clear form. And that is, he will make it as if though the earth is knowledgeable that it is lost. That the earth will be personalized in such a way that it will appear that the earth is sighing and groaning and crying in a similar way that you are. Now watch this and hear you him. The prophet said God put people on the earth, man to control the earth. And the Bible said that man is a God. Do you know that? He sure is. Jesus said, is it not written in your laws that ye are gods? If they're gods, the prophets, who the word of God came to, how can they condemn me when I say I'm the son of God? There they've got gods, fallen gods. They get a domain in the world. They're supposed to take care of it. The trees and the animal life, everything's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God when they'll be manifested on the earth. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, is my prayer. Oh, for the great millennium, when they'll be manifested, we're getting ready now for this time to come. The church has got to get ready. So here, Brother Branham picks up the way Paul that said it, in that the whole creation is groaning. Now, as I've said before, about the lions and the giraffes and all the carnivorous animals, in the beginning, of course, they were not made that way. God made them where they were herbivores, they were not omnivores, nor were they carnivores, but they were absolutely everything eating vegetation. And we know that there was no death, there was no storms, there was no dying, there was none of that going on. So Paul projects it as if so, that the earth fell but it did not fall because it chose to but it was subjected by the plan of God in order to bring it back in a greater way now the Bible tells us that God subjected the same in hope now we'll get to that in a minute notice this in Revelation chapter 5 we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pains together until now not only they but ourselves also which are the first fruits of the spirit sinners don't feel this way. The lost don't feel this way. Oh, they say, yeah, I wish there's peace on the earth. I wish there was a better world. That ain't what I'm talking about. You have been born again from heaven. You have got a part of you that's as heavenly as God himself. 
but you're left captured in this tabernacle of humiliation, this body of time that causes anxiety and stress and worry and sickness and disease and heartache and trouble. And yet there's a part of you that does not get weary. Your soul, since you got the Holy Ghost, ain't been down one day. Can you imagine your soul that's got the Holy Ghost has never been depressed five minutes your entire Christian life? Your soul that got the Holy Ghost, Brother Greg, ain't never been down five minutes your entire walk with God. Never, never has it ever been down. Never has it been weary. Oh my. So we get the deposit of that with the deposit in our body that it makes us groan. Notice not only they but ourselves which are the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan within ourselves. Groan within. Notice where the groaning is. Within ourselves waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. Oh, don't you see it? All creation is groaning, said Paul. Oh my. Everything is groaning. Look at the trees, how they struggle. Now watch how that the Paul places it forth as if they're saying something, articulating by words. But the prophet now picks it up in this way that you're able to discern their desire by the way they struggle to live. Now watch how his observation of this. Everything is groaning. Look at the trees, how they struggle. Look at the flowers, how they struggle for life just for the frost to tear them down. You can't even hardly get in Lowe's Garden Center in the last few weeks. Home Depot, Walmart, anywhere that's selling flowers, people can't wait because winter's over. And they can't wait. You've got to stand in line to get mulch and dirt and weed to eat killer and all kinds of stuff because people have a desire to be able to bring flowers and color and beauty, come on saints, to their home. Why? There's something even in fallen man that this sort of thing brings a comfort to. Don't you understand man's first job is not plumbing? Man's first job is not being a carpenter. Man's first job is being a gardener. <laughs> Man's first job, and it brings joy. It brings, my, it just does something to people. My, maybe some of you ain't got a green tongue, and you can't grow nothing. Well, go to Michael's and buy the plastic flowers. You don't need to water them or do nothing. But yet there's something about it in the fallen man that shows there's something that was, oh, look at that beautiful tree. Oh, look at that rainbow. Look at that sky. Oh, I love the May skies. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't this and that the other? Why? Because there's an affinity in us that is tied to the creation of this earth and the earth's destiny actually tied to ours so what's the prophet how he said that in a flower now people will go out and they'll buy flowers and they'll miracle grow them and they'll weed them and they'll do this and that and the other and they'll keep them as pretty as long as they can and then what will happen to us inevitably frost will get them but before the frost ever gets them, because we get them from a greenhouse and their cycle is so short before the frost ever comes many of us we have to replace them because they only live three to four months, five maybe at the most. And then what happens to them? They go to turning yellow, they go to looking ugly. And then what does those have? They have replacement pots where you put in your other pots. So it's there continuously over and over again. And we will buy it for another six months. And then when the cold weather comes, what do we do? We go to Lowe's and get more mums. Or we go to Evergreen, whatever it is. Why? We just don't want to let go. Oh God. We just don't want to let go. So we want to make it last as long as we can. And yet the flower itself is doing the same thing. But inevitably, especially in our cold country, the frost will get it. The frost of death 
will get every one of us one day if the rapture don't get us first. We can take our vitamins, we can exercise, we can take all kinds of, you know, all things that we add to our bodies to this and that. Do what you want to do. Get a face lift, nose lift, ear lift, toe lift, get all the lifts you want to get. But one of these days, we're still going to lift that body up and put it in a a hearse and take it to the graveyard. So believe it or not, I get the final lift on you. (laughs) You ain't going to like it, but don't worry about it. You won't even know it. There's nothing we can do. Why, well, my goodness, friends, all these movie stars, if you'd get them close to a good open flame, they'd melt like a plastic bag. They may look like a 40-year-old, but on the inside of their body, they're 95 or 105 or whatever more. Why, it's something we don't want to get old. We don't want to have wrinkles. We don't want to get to a place that we can't provide. We don't want to get to a place where we can't get around. We struggle to do it. I have this philosophy. I'm trying my best to be nice to Alicia and Erica. Because I figure they'll pick out the old folks home me and Carol live in. (laughs) Oh, we'll take care of you, Daddy and Mommy. Yeah, right. How many has heard that? (laughs) Notice the prophet said, look at the trees, how they struggle to hold their branches. Notice, look at the trees, how they struggle to hold their branches out to sing glories unto God. You imagine, brother, sister, they are praising God. I'll tell you what, in the last three or four weeks, you talking about shouting around the East Hills of Tennessee, they have been waving them big, oh my, them oak leaves and them popper leaves. Have you seen them? Have you seen them? Oh yeah, they're busting out everywhere. I mean, the blossoms seem like in the dogwoods have been double. The red buds have been double. Everything seemed like it has bust out this year. I couldn't keep from thinking the other day, it might, no, this is the last year preaching tribulation. Praise God. I'll tell you one of these days the earth is going to have its last winter. Amen. It's going to have its last winter. You talking about rejoicing. I imagine the earth will have a little spell before going right into the millennium. Look at the trees how they struggle to hold their branches out to sing glories unto God. Everything, all nature, all animals, all birds. How he flies from the enemy quickly and gets away. Everything groaning. You see, when the bird is flying from the cat, when the bird is flying from another bird that's trying to kill it, what's he doing? He's crying out, I want to live. I want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to be eaten by that cat. I I don't want to die. I want to live. He's struggling. And we ourselves, said Paul, we groan too with them, for we're waiting for the redemption of our body. I've stood by the bedside of many saints and see them draw their last breaths, or within the, the last three or four breaths. Stood by many, and yet there's something there. All oh, their Christians are ready to go, they still struggle to live. Why do we seek treatments of cancers and treatments of this and that? We think we want to live. Praise God. Notice this again. He said, we're waiting for the fullness of adoption. This will take place when? At the first resurrection. 
You might as well give up controlling the elements, brothers. I know some of you brothers have been like me and you've been out deer hunting and here come up a big thunderstorm and you thought, glory to God, today's my day. I'm going to stand up in this tree stand and I'm on you do. You about fell out and broke your head. He said, glory to God, I'm sitting back down. I guess today ain't my day. I've come to realize there's 16 elements God wants me to control in this life. You're looking at them. I'll take care of all these other things on the other side when I get a body to match my soul. I realize there's brothers that preach the adoption and we're going to do this and that and the other and great thing. No, if you believe what the prophet taught, you know the greatest manifestation of this is waiting for us in our honeymoon. Praise God. That's when our bodies will be changed from these vile creatures that we are. And we'll have a body like his glorious body for we shall see him as he is and we will be like him when he appears. We appear in his likeness. We'll have a body like his. A glorious glorified body. All the trials and struggles of life will fade off into a little mist and blow away to never be no more. Oh, praise be to God. Don't you love him? Jump down here with me to the breach, Brother Daniel, if you would, paragraph 75. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we groan within ourselves. Where are we groaning at? Within. Waiting for the redemption to wit of our body. Oh my, oh my. Don't that make us old folks feel good? It don't seem like it's been that long when I used to read that quote. And I felt sorry for the old folks. But now I think 62 ain't really that old. Not compared to Methuselah. Oh my, oh my, don't that make us old folks feel good? It ought to make us all feel good. Praise God. Waiting for this hour. We understand this will take place. Again, he says it at the first resurrection scene. Nature is groaning. We are groaning. Everything is groaning. Because we realize there's something that's not right. And the only way you can groan and wait for it is because there has been new life come in here that speaks of a new world. Amen. This is why the sinner don't groan. This is why the lost don't groan. The new life from the new world has never come into them. So they're happy getting drunk tonight. They're happy doing what they want to do. On Saturday night, they've waited all week for Saturday night. So have I. And I hope I get so drunk y'all have to pack me to my car. On the Holy Ghost. Now these things, he said, they're groaning in our bodies. Did you ever notice a tree how it struggles for life? It wants to live. You notice an animal in death, how it struggles. You notice a human being, everything, nature is groaning. We are groaning. Notice this thing. Within us, we and ourselves are groaning. We know there's something wrong. But what is it? Are we not saved? It's not that. Are we not heaven bound? It's not that. It's the house we're in. Now, for some of you that's never been to camp, and you've never stayed on the campground, 
And you live in a pretty nice home where you do at home, clean showers, nice beds, so on and so on. And then you decide you're going to Louisiana camp. Now, for those of you who have been there, it's really a victory to go back. Why? Because it is not a five-star Hilton. The food, you know, some people like it, some people don't. They don't like the showers, they don't like this. I heard a whole list of things. It just wasn't really good. Compared to what? Home. Compared to home. So in home, you've got privacy to take a shower, or you've got different layout of the showers, the beds sleep different, this and that and the other. Myself, I thought it was fine. I thought it was just top, you know, right on top. It was great. Of course, I drove my RV down, so I thought everything was fine myself. <laughs> on shower, on beds, on sheets, on towels, I had no problems whatsoever. Quite convenient, quite comfortable, quite nice. But I took home with me, so to speak. But for those of you that this was your first year, and you say, oh my, I didn't know it was going to be this and that and the other. Oh my goodness. Uh, I talked to a young man yesterday, uh, uh, which had went to camp from here years and years ago, and he was still reminiscing some of the memories of camp. It was not the sermons that I preached. It was not the songs that he heard sung. It was not really the meetings. It was the showers, the beds, the sheets, the buildings, and so on. Well, why? Because something was not right. Right what? Compared to what? What would be our normal? But yeah, what makes it so wonderful is that many of those kids that I heard that from, are you coming back next year? Oh, absolutely. Even my own granddaughters that had a list of complaints. Oh, Bobby, you ought to say this, and Poppy, you should say that. Poppy this, Poppy that, and Poppy something else. But then I said, but do you want to go back next year? Absolutely, Poppy. Absolutely. Well, you see, then there was something there at the camp that was more overwhelming than the showers and the uncomfortable beds and this and that and the other. And it's the same way with the deposit of eternal life in our soul that do we have hard times as Christians? Do we have difficult times as Christians? But does the good outweigh the bad? Oh, praise God. Does the benefits, the blessings, the joy, the peace outweigh the hardship and the trials of being a Christian, does it? So that means y'all want to go back, huh? Can you imagine if we would have had a conscience memory projecting from the very mind of God? And we would have had a pre-existent knowledge of a little bit about what it was like. And then we would have left. To me, Jesus is the only one in that category that would be able to do such a thing. So God darkened our memory, darkened our senses to where when we hear it preach, there's something pulls at our heart and we think, yes, yes. But no matter how hard you try, you just can't remember. And it's a good thing because we'd be more worthless than what we are now. Well, let me tell you what you're living in tonight. Well, let me not tell you, but let me just read to you. The prophet says that faith is the substance. Well, we're groaning, veiled, 
in this tabernacle of humiliation. Now, I know some of you all think you're just the prettiest women in the world, and some of you men think that you're just the most handsome thing that ever hit the earth. You are a dirt bag. Now, some of you's a bigger bag than the others. Some of you are skinnier than others. And some of you's got gray hair and white hair and, you know, whatever more. But your body is still a tabernacle of humiliation. We have the earnest of our perfect, complete redemption back like we was in the beginning. When God created Adam in the Garden of Eden. Oh, no. You mean a part of me is already back to that original place and I'm left in this. Brother Donnie, don't you brush your teeth and comb your hair and take a shower? I do. A lot of it's courtesy out of you, but I don't like stinking myself. Yeah, I think we ought to, you know, put our clothes on, change it. I think we ought to feed it. I think we got a responsibility to try to take care of it as best as we can. But this body ain't fitting to me. I shouldn't have these gray hairs. I shouldn't have these wrinkles in my face. I shouldn't have pain. I woke up this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning and turned over on my left side. Oh, my goodness, I got so dizzy. I thought I was going to roll out of the bed. Vertigo, something hit me. I got up later in the day. My, so dizzy. I couldn't hardly even stand up. I thought, oh, God, please help me. Don't let this thing attack me on the weekend, Lord. Please help me. Why? Tabernacle of humiliation. You talk about healing. You talk about miracles. You talk about the grace of God. And where is it coming out of the lips of a body that embarrasses you? You show me some of the men of God. Look at Brother Darrell. How God uses a man to pray for the sick. And look how in his own body he suffers so many things. You think that body don't embarrass him when he talks about healing? Look at Brother Ron Spencer. How God uses him in so many miracles and so on and so on. And yet he has so many battles in his own body, in his own family, his own home, his own church. Come on, children. Don't you think that's not embarrassing? Of course it is. We are housed. We are imprisoned in a tabernacle of humiliation. You think Brother Joel Forney is not humiliated? God has used that brother in different parts of the world to preach the gospel. Casting out devils, laying hands on the sick. See God do all kinds of things. And then in his own body suffering and being sick. And the doctors tell him they're not even sure of him what his outcome is going to be. You think that it may embarrassing and humiliating? Amen. Don't you understand why our Lord Jesus, one of the last things that he felt so tremendous was humiliation. Hanging on the cross naked was no way to cover yourself. Sin Sin placed upon him. Not only a sinner dying on the cross, but a serpent. Oh, I know this hurts our hearts. But that's what he was. The prophet said he was that serpent on the pole. Sin already judged. You think it wasn't shameful? 
and humiliating and embarrassing. Oh my. Praise be to God. We have the earnest of our perfect, complete redemption back like we was in the beginning. When God created Adam in the Garden of Eden, we have a foretaste of glory divine by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The refreshment coming from the presence of God to water the church, to make it grow in grace. And when we're sick, we have redemption, the blessing, the attributes of the death of Christ. Divine healing is a foresign to us that someday this mortal will take on immortality. Yes, sir. Amen. Oh, my marvelous. Here's to do it. Glory. Sound like he ran out of good things to say. He didn't want to say that. Notice again, he said, I think of this little old frail tabernacle of our humiliation. What is it? Just a few vitamins and some calories. Throw together just a little place for the soul to anchor in. That's all. But one of these glorious days, it'll be changed. So here you daughters of God set tonight, you sons of God set tonight embracing in your soul the very kiss of the author of life. And you may have a disease. You may have an affliction. You may be facing a surgery. You may be under oppression tonight. You may feel so down you cannot even raise your hands because of the trouble that you're going through. And you think, this ain't right. I should be standing up the back. I should be dancing all over this place because of this word. This word is so true and so powerful. Why did I shout everywhere? Your old humble house is keeping you down. Knowing that someday this body of humiliation that we're in now will be marred by death. All of its features, all of its mentalities will break and go back with the brain cells. But inside there lives the Holy Spirit that will come again someday bringing forth a resurrected body which this is the negative of. Strong, healthy, and young. Let's skip this next one, Brother Daniel. Let's go over to Romans chapter 8 again. Now verse 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Now watch Paul personifies creation and makes it as if though it was a mortal. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Not willingly. So the earth fell. Not because it wanted to. To be honest, it never had a choice. Its destiny is so linked with man that man's choice reflects earth. Do you understand why the angels in heaven rejoice whenever you give your heart to God? 
They had an absolute spell up there in heaven. When you come to God, your choice not only affected you, or it might have affected you and your wife and your children and so on and so on and so on, but it was also another one of the children of God whose decision was affecting the outcome of the earth. It's all linked together. It's all correlated together by the very plan of God that God has linked the earth's destiny with yours. And yet Paul says that the creature, the creation, was made subject to vanity not willingly how then how did the earth come to the state man as Adam chose for me Adam chose for you Adam chose for the other mortals so Adam chose for the whales the dinosaurs the camels the elephants the zebra So the whole creation was made subject to vanity, worthlessness, changed from a high form to a lower condescended form that had hardly any value. Oh, but I love these next words. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. (laughs) You see, it was God's earth. This is mine. Brother Sam, don't you come up here and try to take this because this is mine. Okay? Okay. Now, if you're really that thirsty, I'll give you a sup out of it, but you ain't getting it all. If I want to, I can open this up, pour it there, pour it there, pour it here, or pour it here. You'll agree with that. So this bottle of Gatorade is subject to whatever I want. If I choose to, I will leave it sitting right there. Brother Melvin will pick it up and put it back in the refrigerator and bring it back out in the morning. Because it is subjected to my desire. Now you'd say with me, that is not evil. Am I mistreating this poor bottle of Gatorade? Poor thing. It could enter into my body and become what? Enter into your body and become what? Oh, I could leave it sitting there. Or I could say, I don't like this flavor no more, Brother Melvin. Don't get me no more this flavor. I want grape, I want red. All right, Brother Donnie, if that's what you want, we'll give you grape. We'll give you red. So I have a choice. Do I know it? If I want to subject this one to say, I'm done with that brand, that color, I want another brand. It is my choice. So God subjected all the earth to vanity. In hope. (laughs) But by reason of him. Oh, I love reminding the devil of this passage of scripture to let him know it was not him that done this after all. It was not the devil that pulled one over on God. My father subjected this earth, but he subjected it in hope, Brother West, knowing it's going to come right back up again. 
by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. What do we see, friends? The divine sovereignty of Almighty God. He revered it. And the word here, what is it? It is vanity. Worse, so creation was made subject to this terrible, terrible plight that now moves on the earth of storms and winter and the cycles of, of all these. Oh, what a terrible, terrible thing. And the earth said, no, no, Papa. No, Papa, I can't do it. Yes, you're correlated with man. When man falls, you fall. When man rises, you rise. Bear with me, earth. I'm subjecting you in hope. But let me tell you, before it ever happens, man will come back. And so will you. So, you know how frightened that you feel? Whenever you would hear a tornado siren or alarms you would feel when a warning comes up on your phone, 40 mile an hour winds coming up, hail the size of a half an inch, uh, take shelter, this, this, this happening, and something moves in our body and our mind. Oh my goodness, uh, get, get the kids, get the house. Oh, look at that dark cloud. Oh, that don't look good at all. Look at them winds are picking up. Can you imagine the earth? How did the first time this come upon her and every time since and she's under this threat constantly? She has the drought in the other parts of the earth. She has floods. She has snow, cold, frost, ice caps, two miles thick. But she says, I'm hoping. You just hope they turn the air up or down. The earth's been setting me below in 100 mile an hour winds. Chills me to my fossils. Chills me to my palm trees. (laughs) But she says, I got hope. I got hope. Praise God. Notice this. So the Lord, Paul said, the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by the reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. In hope. I promise I'll bring you back. I'd say when the earth got baptized, she had a worse spell than anybody we've ever baptized here. She is probably a turning and a tossing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Preaching under the message and knowing she come up out of that water. Glory to God. Baptized. Dancing. Hallelujah. And the leaves come out and the flowers come out. And the air said, praise God. I'm on my way to redemption. I don't know how far this is going to hold me. And maybe it might take the storms away. But it didn't take her long to realize she just got saved. And that was all. And she still had all kinds of battles and she was battling still with smoking or pornography or whatever more. And she realized she had to have more than water baptism to keep her. Notice verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Notice how that we are so tied in with the earth. So the creature... And the creation, the earth and man. Look in verse 21 now. 
Because the creature also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Praise God. Free from decay. Free from sin. How many longs for a time when you're free from storms of life? The earth is with you. I mean, y'all go through storms of your life now, facing difficulties and trials and things like that. You don't know what to do. You don't know what the outcome's going to be. The earth's been experiencing this for thousands and thousands of years. She longs for a time when she was the way God made her. Can you imagine that the wind just barely raised, barely raised in the Garden of Eden? And Eve said, oh, Adam, would you take care of that? And he said, peace. Still, all it done was just got in the bottom of her blonde part of her curls and just, you know, fluffed them up a little bit. There was no rain. Everything was underground irrigation. Not one rain cloud had ever come upon the earth until Noah's day. But a mist from the aquifers of the earth come up and watered the entirety of the earth. Which makes you think in the millennium we'll come back to that same type of irrigation. I kind of like that irrigation that comes from within. If any man will believe on me as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will come private irrigation. Oh, it's good to have revivals. It's good to go to youth camp and get all fired up. But I'll tell you one thing. It won't do you a whole lot of good if you ain't got private irrigation on the inside of you. If you got private irrigation, then you get a good drink and get all fired up. And when you come back to camp, you don't shout down there and come and sit like this on Wednesday night. Oh, my. But you got your own aquifer on the inside of you, which bubbles over whether you're in camp or in Happy Valley, whether you're in Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee. It don't matter because you've got your own fountain on the inside. You imagine the entire earth as the creator God allowed the moisture and the condensation of the temperature range and how the mist would rise up maybe in the night as it would cool down just a few degrees and the mist would come over the entire earth. Of course the continents are not divided then and the whole one whole whole land mass and the temperature the same all the way around the earth standing upright and the spirit of God would move upon the earth and the mist would just and the whole earth got a drink. Maybe three hours during the night, four hours, five hours during the night. And the next morning, Adam would get up and he'd walk out. Oh. And it smelled like a fresh rain, but there was no rain. <laughs> you know how that smell is? When the rain is and you like to get outside and smell that smell. There's something about it, isn't there? It's amazing. You can do the, you can do the same flowers in your grass or the garden hose and it never produces that fragrance. How is it that it does that? Because this rain comes from heaven. You imagine that Adam would get up every morning in the morning glories and oh my, the tulips and everything, they never died. It was all ever green and ever blue and ever pink and ever yellow and ever red. And they all got up and every morning he would give up and it was the freshness as if it was though his very first morning in the Garden of Eden and everything was so fresh and so beautiful. Lord have mercy children. I ain't talking about a Walt Disney movie. I ain't talking about a book somewhere. I'm talking about a place we're fixing to go back to. Where every day will be that very same day. It will be like the first day. 
when God's program of salvation for his children has been completed and the book of redemption, the last name is pulled off the seal book and they enter into that body change and Satan will be bound. The earth will be released from its bondage of sin. Praise God. And King Jesus, glory be to God. Ooh, I felt a wave of the heavenly language there for a moment. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Jesus. King Jesus will set up his domain upon the earth. Amen. And the trees and the flowers and the birds, they'll all start singing and they'll never stop. There'll never be a blazing hot day where it's 130 degrees. There'll never be a day when it's minus 40. There'll never be no dark clouds. It will be as it was in the Garden of Eden, but it will be this time with many, many more people on the face of the earth. I'm talking about your honeymoon. I'm talking about you and the Lord Jesus and yours that's going to be there with you, friend. Think of it. Praise God. Let me read a couple more verses. Genesis 1.26 And God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now Adam fell from that promise. But believe it or not, that promise is still waiting to be fulfilled by them. say him praise be to God Adam fell from that promise but that promise did not die amen it has been held in motion as it was brother Randy all these thousands of years but my brother sister every heartbeat in your body you are coming closer to the fulfillment of this word So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. This is our original commission. All Adam done was forfeited my slot in time. I will fulfill this. Praise God. You will fulfill it as a son and daughter of God. Replenish here, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth on the earth. Do you understand in the millennium, the birds of paradise won't just fly upon Adam's shoulders, but on yours. The lion, the tiger, all of that. Praise God. They won't just be looking for Adam. They'll be coming to you, to me. 
God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth. Remember now, everything herbivore, nothing eating one another. To the fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. Praise God. And when God finished it, God come to the seventh day. Or the seventh increment of thousand year span. And God rested. Not like you and I think rest. It simply means to desist from the work of creation. So he stopped creating. That's why man will never make another species. Oh, they may hybrid. There will never be another new creature on the earth after God stopped creating. Which means you had to be in his loin seed or he could never give you a new birth. Because if God stopped, Lord have mercy. If God stopped creating, oh hallelujah. Don't you understand the earth recreated is already seed form in his mind. You having a new birth being recreated was already in his mind before you ever fell. There being a new earth was already in seed form in his mind before it ever fell. Oh, hallelujah. All it will be is a moment of time when that seed will kick in cycle and there it will be. Second Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 6, 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but a new creature. As our old nature passed away, so must the world order pass away. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Can you take a little more in the morning? Maria says, that is so refreshing. (laughs) Praise God. So you imagine. When we all scoot back from the table of the marriage supper, and Jesus says, What about it, children? Y'all ready for the honeymoon? And we say, Yes, Master. Oh, yes. 
we got to do a little cleanup. Y'all don't mind, do you? Said, Absolutely not. There's always cleanup after weddings. Well, they've left that place in a mess down there. Let's go down and take care of the devil and his crew. The devil wants to try to convince me and you he is so powerful. He is so great. He can do so many things. But I read it to him today in the book of Revelation. Whenever God is going to have him to be bound up. You know how many angels he sent to do it? How humiliating. How humiliating. He don't send, you know, just mega millions of angels, but he sent one angel with a key. I said, get in. You're talking about humiliating. Oh, my. I believe he's humiliating right now, brother, sister. On the earth, if he can get a young man, a young woman, if he can get a man, a woman, boy, or girl, that the Holy Ghost can live inside of them. And the devil, oh, glory to God, the devil that's bound her for years. And they say, Satan, turn loose of my body. You devil of distressing sin. You devil that has beset me. You ain't got no hold on me. You know what you're doing? You're taking your key of faith and saying, Get out. Leave me alone, Satan. You're a liar. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. As the atomic explosions. Well, Rock dear, as I was reading this week, that Russia has developed this hypersonic type of submarine, more in a drone structure, that can be sent into the oceans. And whenever it fires its drone, released with its nuclear warhead, it does not destroy buildings. It creates tsunamis. Tsunamis 300 feet tall. So America is watching the skies and Russia decides to release it in the ocean. And it comes so close to the coast of California. And it releases. Wonder if all these things won't be kind of going off at the same time. Well, don't that scare you? It didn't. Didn't when you worried? I'm not worried at all. For one bomb ever drops, I'll be flying. Change of address, and I won't send it to the USPS neither. Praise God. Goodbye, world. Goodbye. Don't wait for me when I'm gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look, friends, our world's in a mess. Our politics is in a mess. Churches are in a mess. Homes are in a mess. Families, we're so divided in so many ways. There's only one cure for it all. The Lord Jesus. Don't you want to be ready? Don't you want to be ready? Listen to me. There's only one thing that will ensure you to be able to leave this world in a rapture.
the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Brother Donnie, I believe Brother Branham, I play tapes. That's not the token. Oh, I know that's being projected from Jeffersonville. That is false teaching and lies. Playing the tapes is not the token. Brother Branham tells us himself. Oh, Brother Branham, I believe every word you say. He said, that's just being able to read. The token wasn't a tape player that come out of the body of Jesus. And it wasn't a tape that come out of the body of Jesus. Amen. It was his life. The token is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Run to him, friends. Hide. Oh, I heard the leader of them say it today. That bunch of nonsense talking about preachers getting up and preaching. Preachers think they got something to say. And preachers, he said, absolute nonsense. So I took her and said, so in other words, the youth camp we just came from, nonsense. The meetings in Switzerland that they just had last weekend, nonsense. Every time a preacher gets up Wednesday night, nonsense. Preachers preach is nonsense. Not according to the scripture today. Not according to the message today. What they're saying is nonsense. Oh, my. Brother Diner, do you believe in tapes? I sure do. I sure do. I play them. As a matter of fact, there's some of them I've played so much I can quote it before Brother Branham says it and even say it in the same manner of tone of voice. You don't do that by playing it once. But they are not my God. They are not my idol. My God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love him, saints? Praise God. Oh, let's bow our heads if you would. Is there anything in your heart tonight? Is there anything in your life that's not pleasing to the Lord? Is there anybody that feels you haven't crossed over into that eternal day into the eighth day to where you've got this deposit in your soul you'd like to be remembered tonight before the Lord maybe you're just discouraged you're down and you need a refreshing you believe you're born again you believe you've got the Holy Ghost but you just need a refreshing from this world and its troubles and difficulties I got my hands up on that one oh I'll tell you we need it brother sister we need it would you do me a favor Lay hands on one another. I'd run a prayer line tonight, but I, I still ain't got over that last one Saturday night. But God don't necessarily have to have my hands, but give Him yours. Lord Jesus, as we have our hands placed one upon the other, we're asking you tonight, Father, for strength, courage, healing, deliverance. Lord, you know what every person needs. Not only those in the visible audience, but those who have streamed this and those who go back and archive it, Lord, around the world. I pray the Spirit of God will help them, Lord. Dear God, the battles would vary, of course, from church to church, area to area, country to country, nation to nation. But Lord, we know that you're mindful of all of us, no matter what we're going through. Father, we know that you're the only one that can be able to custom fit a sermon that will be able to fit every hungry heart and every need. We're asking you tonight, Jesus, for your strength and your grace, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, if there's any here tonight without the Holy Ghost, may the Spirit of God baptize their souls, I pray. Lord God, may they get that that I was reading about a while ago, that deposit that took us back there in the very beginning, and our soul is sealed until the day of redemption.
Lord, maybe there's some sick, some depressed, some sad, some going through just terrible, terrible family things or financial things in their lives, their home. God, you know all needs. May you help us tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord God, as the trees are groaning, the flowers, the plants, the animals, even so, Lord God, we're groaning here tonight, Father. Lord, we're longing for our new bodies. We're longing for a new world. We're living in these bodies and they humiliate us. They humiliate us with gray hair. They humiliate us with shame. And they humiliate us with sickness and disease and maybe overweight or underweight or whatever more. God, I pray you would help us, Father. We need your help, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lamb of God, as you turned our souls one day, they were in darkness and they was living such lives of humiliation. But the Spirit of God transformed us and illuminated us from a, a tabernacle of humiliation into a tabernacle of the glory of God. Supernaturally, something happened within us. And Father, that's what we're waiting for in our bodies, is that our bodies can be changed. And one day this house will be changed from a tabernacle of humiliation. Glory be to God, to a house like yours. All of a sudden I'll be standing here, a 62-year-old man, or three or four or five or 70 or whatever more if I'm alive. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, I'll be changed back to an 18-year-old boy. Praise God. My body all of a sudden will lose its humiliation, its scars, its problems, its issues. And I'll have a body made like unto your glorious body. I don't know how you'll do it, Lord. That ain't my business. It's just my business to be ready. I don't know how in the world that you will take a mortal body and in a twinkling of an eye, you will bring your power so upon our bodies. They will be changed and live throughout eternity. They'll never have to go to a doctor. They'll never need a vitamin shop. They'll never need a steroid. They'll never need nothing else, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You've already done that inside of our souls. I know you can take care of our bodies. Thank you, Lord. Minister to your children tonight, Father, I pray. Praise be to God. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship your holy name, Father. We bless you tonight, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands now? Thank you for praying for one another. Sing something for us. Oh, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. We're not going to worry ourselves with how will that be. We're not going to worry ourselves and how these things are going to be brought to pass. We want to be like that bride and just be ready. Why should I worry about the things I can't fix know how? Why should I worry about how you're going to do it? I need to be concerned about the things I can do. Help me, Lord. Help my people here, Father, that we can do everything we need to do in preparation and commit the undoable on our part into the hands of the Almighty God. We can't cause the resurrection. We cannot cause these things to happen. But we want to do our part and do it with all of our hearts, our souls, our mind, our strength. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Let's just worship Him together, shall we? Sing for us. You deserve the glory. Thank you, Jesus. And the honor. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we lift Hallelujah. our hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Blessed Lord God. As we lift your holy name, you deserve the glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the honor. Oh, Jehovah Adonai. Lord, we lift our hands and words. Oh, great creator. Of the heavens As and the earth. we lift your holy for you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no
Lord Almighty God, Jesus. Oh, what a mighty God, my Jesus. Heaven and earth adore Him, His people bow before Him. What a mighty God, Jesus is. What a mighty God, Jesus is. point tonight did he the Lord has just come once again met needs 
Let's just go tonight. We'll sing. I want to sing that. I want to know how it feels. I'm going to know how it feels. When he talks about that new land, I plan on being there. I'm going to make it. Let's come back. Let's, let's go tonight. Be careful going home, but let's come back in the morning. Let's come ready for church in the morning. Brother Louie comes in here in the morning, starts that service. We are to lift the roof off this place right, right out of the gate. Let's come in the morning ready to have church. I'm gonna know how it feels to make my way down the streets of old. I'm gonna know how it feels to have a talk with the saints of old. I'm gonna know what it's like. This might be by the Crystal clear river, where sin's forgotten without a tree. 